0: Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations, so be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Well, hi, everybody, and thank you for joining me today on another podcast with my guest, grace rector and i just want to tell you this is really special to me grace and i are both from the same community grace was actually on my show um back in december 21st of 2015 when i was in the studio and we'll talk a little bit about that as well but she's written an incredible book called the rector girls and that's what we'll be talking about today so welcome to the show grace
1: Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here, Marcia.
0: Oh, I know. It's going to be so much fun. We do have a lot of common commonalities, the, the two of us, <laughs> yep. and, and I think that that certainly adds to the joy of having you with me today. I'm sure that, mm. you know, your Westchester Youth and Government friends are probably born and raised. <laughs> born and raised. I mean... Me, too. I, I, We didn't go to the same high school, but born and raised in Westchester, went to Westchester High. Kids went to Westchester High, worked at the Y, knew, knew your mom at the Y. And, you know, we're, we're, we're embedded in this community. So I'm, I'm really, really happy to have you with me today. And I, I thought what we me could too. do, and by the way, you have a fabulous website that I'll be mentioning in a little while. But <laughs> I thought we you. could, I really, in fact, I'm just going to mention it now. If you would like to see, and I'll mention it again, if you would like to visit Grace's website, it is Grace Mariana Rector. And that's Mariana, and Mariana is spelled M-A-R-I-A-N-A, and Rector is spelled R-E-C-T-O-R, not E-R. So, Grace Mariana Rector, that's her website. But I thought we could start off, Grace, by having you just tell us a little bit about yourself uh, and and what we should know about you.
1: Absolutely. Well, thank you again for having me. I'm really excited to get to be on your show again um, yeah. And I love connecting with other Westchester people, because, as I said, born and raised, and mm-hmm. while I do get to go all over, um, Westchester will always be very special to me. But um, uh, about a bit about myself, uh, I am twenty two years old, and I was born and raised in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. and I recently graduated from Georgetown University and am now working as a teacher in an international school in Chile. Um, but I think more about myself who I am as a person. I, I love about your show that it's all about storytelling and community and connection because that's a huge um theme in my book. As you mentioned, I recently wrote a book called Director Girls, um, which I started to write back during the pandemic, but um that that writing has always been a really great outlet for me and my emotions to 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 have a safe space to to process what I'm thinking. And so it started off as just journaling and progressed into a book and I'm just really grateful that I've had such great reception from family and friends and that I've been able to share my story and to share my mom's story because I really believe it's a unique one and I'm just I'm really grateful to to have a platform to be able to share it with people.
0: I think that's so true because you know we only get one we we we, yeah. we only get one mom and um my mom was not as young as yours but I know what it felt like to lose a mom and I know what it's like to be a mom and you yeah. know we get we definitely you know have dads and we have siblings and we have aunts and uncles and you know we all have different family dynamics but we learned so many lessons from our mom and I really think that 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 is the, the interesting part about your book and I thought we could just basically start off, Grace, with you telling us – I'm just curious why – you mentioned that, you know, you were, you were writing this book while you were in college, but why, why did you write The Rector Girls? What was the impetus behind this?
1: Absolutely. I, I, I never intended to write it. Um, it kind of happened, but um, I share this story with people that one time – I think it, I must have been in high school – Um, I remember my mom was coming out of the house and for some reason I was just thinking about our life and how crazy her life was, how, how much impact she'd made and all the people that just, you know, revere her. And I I said to her, I was like, mom, you know, you have to write a book. Like you have such a crazy life. You have to write a book about it. And she was like, yeah, yeah, I'll write one eventually, you know? Yeah. Okay. I'll write it. And, and I don't know why I just asked, I was like, um, if you don't write it, can I, can I write? about your story? And she said, yeah, sure. Why not? Just don't mess it up. (laughs) Um, And I remembered that conversation and I never really thought of it again until um, she, she passed away in February, 2020. So just, just a bit before the pandemic uh, began in the U S but I remember one of the first things I did after she died was I had this kind of feeling of, uh nervousness or anxiety or panic about what if i forget her like what if i forget these moments and memories that are so important to me and like how do i make sure that i don't forget those because i i just kind of fast forwarded like 30 years like what am i going to do and so some kind of i guess ritual that i started like literally the week after she passed away Um, was I just tried to think up all my favorite memories with her or formative moments I shared with her and just wrote them down, um, kind of in in a fear that I would would forget them. And I was thinking to myself, okay, if I did forget, what were the memories that I would want to know have written down forever? Um, And so I had, like, a lot of pages written in my journal um, about those memories, and I actually wrote it in the form of a letter to my mom, kind of as a love note to her. Um, but somehow a Georgetown professor reached out to me and this is my junior year of college. And he said, Hey, we're having this class called Creators Institute this spring in which we help, or this summer in which we help graduate or graduating students or undergrad students write their first book. And initially I was like, wow, that's cool. I've always wanted to write a book, but, um, I don't know what I'd write a book about. I'm 21 years old. Um, and then I kind of thought about it more and more and I had this sense of imposter syndrome. Like, why would I write a book? I'm not an expert on anything. But then I kind of had this moment of realization after talking about it with my godmother that I'm an expert on my own life and I'm an expert in, you know, my experience. And so I, I decided that I wanted to take those, those writings and those moments and memories and the wisdom that my mom gave to me and to pass it on. To other people so that they had some kind of tangible evidence of the legacy that my mom left and it was kind of an effort for you know writing a love letter to her and also to those that lost her so that's kind of how it evolved from not wanting to write a book to to being great wow. grat, grat, grateful enough to being able to publish it yeah
0: so it was at georgetown and and and, and what was the class that um that 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 suggested that you write this book. I I who was that that, that gave you that that first spark?
1: It was a, a a man named Eric, and he leads this creators institute every single semester at Georgetown. Um, he's been doing That's it fine. for years, but it's through Go New ahead. Degree Press, which was the the publishing house that published my book.
0: Got it. So it was through the Creators Institute. I'm with you now. That's mm-hmm. so cool. You know, don't you just wonder how life just sort of presents <laughs> itself? It's it's very much Absolutely. like the book The Secret where, you know, the law of attraction and how things come in and people come in and events and thoughts come in. And you didn't know at the time where this was going no. to lead. And yet, it was brought to you through that moment and I just I think that's terrific I, I think that just anybody that listens to the first ten minutes of this show might say gosh you know wouldn't wouldn't it be nice if I started writing a love letter to my children mm-hmm. something that they mm-hmm. will find that they don't even know I've written I you know was all yeah. that financial stuff that's all taken care of that's financial yeah. that we'll isn't emotional passage, <laughs> yes you're talking about the emotional side of life it's yeah. when you find something I found my um, uh, an autograph book from the sixth grade my yes. sixth grade autograph book from ninety eighth Street School where That's we were incredible. signing autographs. When you find those kinds of treasures now I'm going yeah. obviously way, way back, but what I hear you saying is by just the starting of these love letters and not wanting to forget these lessons that you mm-hmm. learned. I just I just think that is Incredible. So let's talk about your mom's legacy that she left behind for you. Let's, let's talk about that.
1: Well, you can ask anyone <laughs> that knew her. I, I'm a big fan, obviously, but, um, I mean, just speaking about, I, I, I mean, I'd, I'd start at the end almost and say her funeral that we had at and Marymount there were more than eight hundred people to the point where the aisles in the church were filled the the bit behind the the actual like main part of the church was filled. There were people outside standing there and i mean if that's i mean it's not you know when someone's mm-hmm. gone it's not' happening, but it was really this many people paying homage to her and just mm-hmm. just recognizing and honoring a woman that had changed so many people's lives and the people in that church were, you know, English speakers, Spanish speakers, rich, poor, like all over people from just so many different walks of life. And I think that's something that was really remarkable about her, that she was just able to connect and guide and lead and, and work with so many different people. Um, mm-hmm. And so something that she definitely taught me that I touch upon in the book is just creating a community around you and, and I'm, my mom chose to be a single mother by choice um, by a sperm donor because she hadn't really found the partner that she wanted um, by the time she was 40-ish. Um, and so she decided to, to get pregnant by a sperm donor, which is how I came to be. But because of that, it was just her and I. And my grandparents died when I was young. And so we didn't really have an extended family. She was an only child. I'm an only child. My grandma was an only child. Um, so we always had a small biological family, but she went above and beyond to create a family that she loved and that loved her and that that community, my godparents, my god siblings that are just kind of, we threw that label on them because we don't know how to say, you know, something else, but um, they're, right. they're really my family and, and I just am really grateful to her. I think the biggest legacy she's left is just creating these these beautiful communities that she took care of and that, that just showered her with love. And she just found a way to, to make everyone that she connected with feel like the most special person in the world. So I've been really, really grateful that, that after her death, though, it's been really tough. Um, I've been graced with the, the community that she left behind that are just kind of checking on me as, a, as an act of goodness towards my mom in a way of thanking her for all the service she did them throughout her life.
0: What did she do at LMU?
1: She worked at Loyola Marymount for about 22 years um, as the director of the Center for Service and Action. So she created the uh, community service office slash center at LMU. Mm,
0: interesting. I guess, I guess that's so not to too far from she has a lot of student,
1: from... student mentees that she right. works with.
0: That's that's really one of whom is
1: actually the director now, which is crazy. She met this man, Patrick Furlong, when he was eighteen, and worked with him as a student worker for four years. And now he's the director of the
0: Center for Service and Action. Isn't that Isn't that interesting? Wow, uh, that is it's that's that that's that circle of life, isn't it? Yeah, I, and it's it's true, and I I know that. Um, You had quite the experience at Georgetown, so congratulations on graduating from that very prestigious college. So we've we've mentioned community a lot. Um, I think that you and I personally take that word very, very, it's very integral to who we are. I mean, it's my tagline. Conversations like we're doing plus community, plus connect I can't even speak now. I'm so excited to talk to you. Conversations (laughs) plus connections, which is what we have in this community equals community is truly, and communities don't necessarily mean the same thing to everybody. Um, And connections Mm -hmm. don't always mean the same thing as well. But I know how I would define community. What does community mean to you?
1: What a great question and a hard question. Yeah. Um, but I think for me, I've I've learned what that's meant um, as mm-hmm. I've grown because I think, you know, I, I, it's similar to my concept of leadership. When I was a kid, you know, community to me was oh, people that take care of me, people that love me, right? But I've found that the people that are most integral to my community are the people that care for me and the people that I care for. I think members of a, of a really meaningful community have to be mutually giving and mutually Mm -hmm. selfish, selfless. Um, because I know that I would drop any to, to, to to take care of a good friend of mine, a a really close friend or family member. Mm -hmm. Um, because i also know that they would do the same for me and so i feel like recently and especially with the pandemic you really realize who's filling you up and who's draining you um and so i've definitely looked closely at my friends and realized that the friends that i cherish the most are the ones that just pour their love onto me and vice versa and that i just i feel so filled and cared for by them and i i take care of them right back but i think Ultimately, community has to be mutual, mutual caring and loving, and giving, and make sure that it's 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 out of love, not duty or obligation. It's just a genuine desire to to make someone else happy.
0: That's that's beautifully said. I and I I agree with you. Um, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think that. <laughs> I mean, I I don't think I could have said it any differently. Certainly, I I love living in my community of Westchester and the people that Mm -hmm. live here. But when you dig a little deeper, as you just explained, that's where that real sense of community is, where you know, regardless of where you are today, you know, um, with the constant changing of technology, I mean, yeah. whoever would whoever would have thought, you know, a couple of years ago, that Zoom. I mean, there was Skype, right. there were other things that were around, WhatsApp, and all of those things. But to know that you can look into somebody's face on a Zoom call, whether you're in New York, which I believe is where you are today, and mm-hmm. I'm in Los yeah. Angeles, right? You're in <laughs> New York. Um, it 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 allows us to connect. In a way that's really meaningful, you can can tell, I can tell, when people are genuine, when people are authentic, Mm -hmm. those are the people that you pour love into and those are the same people that pour love into you it's mutual. It doesn't have to be 50-50. Sometimes it's 60-40, or sometimes you're just in a place where you need 70-30. You know, it's just that knowing that you can rely on your, end quote, I'm saying, community. That Mm -hmm. that means the world to me, and I can tell that it means the world to you. So Mm -hmm. as you're in Georgetown, which is just an incredible school, how did you cope with your grief, especially during this pandemic time? You, gosh, I, I how did how did you manage?
1: Yeah, it was it was not easy. Um, I had a very unique uh, experience in that when my mom passed. I went out of the country, actually, um, for a week as a kind of vacation slash to meet up with a really close friend of mine to just kind of have some healing. Um, And on my way back, the pandemic officially began. So I actually wasn't able to go to Georgetown and came back to Los Angeles um, to live in my mom's empty house, which was really tough. Um, so not only grieving the loss of my single mom, but also being, living alone was really, really trying. Um, it was, it was a lot of time with my thoughts. Um, and I was really grateful for family and things checking on me, but it's, it's not the same. Like at that point, you know, all you want is just like physical company, a hug or cuddle or something. And that's. Thing that I couldn't have, which was really tough for me as someone that really loves physical touch and hugging my family and friends. Um, but as I mentioned, I, I tried to channel some of that into writing. Um, I talked to my friends a lot. And um, I mentioned this in the book that became, I really wanted like a happy place, like a place that I could associate with positivity, yeah.
0: a
2: place
1: where I could feel comforted and safe. So um, I've always had a thing for hammocks. I don't know why, but, <laughs> um, Aww. I bought myself a hammock for the backyard, an orange one, cause that was my mom's favorite color. And keep in mind, like after my mom passed, like I was still in school, I was a junior in college, so I still had right. to finish my course load. Um, my professors were extremely understanding, but I still had to finish the work. Sure. Um, so, so I'd have class, you know, from 6am until 3pm or something, just exhausted and then go to that hammock and just pick my feet up and let the wind kind of push me and cradle oh. me. And I, I really felt close to my mom whenever I was in that hammock. Cause I just imagined that the wind was her pushing me. And, um, that actually beca- became a theme that I was always jealous of other people that were like, Oh, Pam came to me in a dream. Or my mom's it's Pam. And, or, you know, she, this thing happened. It reminded me of, Uh, your mom and I just kind of got jealous because I was like I haven't had any divine you know moments of oh that's my mom looking out for me but then I started to associate wind with my mom Um, and so on windy days or when I was walking down the street and the wind would blow my hair or if I was driving on the freeway or something that kind of Mm -hmm. came to be a, a way for me to know that she was looking down over me or checking in on me and Regardless of whether it was her or not, it just brings me a lot of comfort, and it was nice right. to have something natural that, that that really would literally cushion me in that hammock, and so I've, I've been grateful for creating that space, and even when I went to Georgetown, I created a little happy space in my apartment as well, just a lot of pillows and blankets that I would go when I needed to cry or when I needed to just feel held. Um, and I think having that physical comfort that the pandemic kind of tore away was really important yes. in my coping process.
0: I can visualize this. Um, I can I can visualize this. Um, it actually makes me really emotional to hear you say mm-hmm. this because it's so real. It's so, so real. You were so young and... You know, and you had this remarkable relationship with your mom. And um, to be able to actually visualize that, and I'm picturing you in that orange hammock. Um, and you draw beautiful words with the way you speak, which is why your book is so important and why I so recommend that people read it and check it out because i think there are lessons here so in in going through this time of your life we have, I have so many questions but i'm just so taken by what you're saying who are, who supported you throughout your writing process where did you get the support
1: yeah i could not have done that alone and also just a side side note um Whenever people ask my mom, how did you raise a kid by yourself? Like, that must have been so hard. She said, I did not raise her alone. I raised her in a community of a ton of people. Um, And I feel similarly about the process of writing the book um, because it was challenging. Um, And I, I mentioned earlier, I had imposter syndrome. And I think a lot of people experience that. I think especially women of what am I doing? I'm not, you know, experienced enough to do this. Like why, why am I writing a book? Like I, I haven't published anything. Like who's going to read this? Like what, but if it's not good enough, like I went through that all the time, um, considered not publishing it several times. Cause I was just like, who's going to read this? Why am I writing a book? Like what's happening? Um, but I, I mentioned I was living alone in Los Angeles, but I um, spent the summer of 2020 with my godmother and my godfather Um, my godmother's name is Margaret and she was my mom's best friend she is just this calming woman that just you know just gets you to breathe and that her house was just like a safe space for me as well Um, but while I was dealing with all that imposter syndrome and doubt and frustration and exhaustion um, she was there to really uh, cheer me on and I was really really grateful for her for her and and her husband my godfather just like telling me you got this you can do it because um, I needed that and then I think that the moment it all became real was November 2020. Um, I launched my pre-sale campaign where the book wasn't done it was it was drafted um, but it was nowhere near done and I put out an IndieGoGo campaign to, to ask people to pre-order a book and I was so nervous because I was like who's gonna want to buy my book like it's a book like written by a 21-year-old that's i you know and then my goal was to raise i think it was $5,000 and i ended up raising $11,000 wow to publish the book and it kind of blew my mind i mean i was just so goal oriented about getting that 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 milestone cuz we had to raise that much money or else we we wouldn't be able to publish it and i was just so focused on getting there and then once we hit that goal, and it kept growing, and people just kept messaging me, I was just taken aback and just like, wow, I'm so lucky to have this many people that are not only supporting me, but like excited about this. It wasn't, yes. you know, people weren't like, oh, Grace is writing a book, you know, what I'll just buy one because poor child. But people were really excited. They're like, I'm so excited to see how you tell your mom's story and how you share with the world, like what an untraditional life that you've lived and your mom led. um, But how it's, it's created the beautiful life that you know. And so I think that just all those messages and all that encouragement from people I'm close to and people that I haven't heard from in years was, was really touching. Um, And I'd also add that, that when I actually published the book in uh, April, 2021, Um, I was so excited, again, (laughs) so excited and goal-oriented, whatever. And then a week later, a week after I published it, I just kind of had a meltdown. I just was in my living room and just started sobbing. And I called my sister, um, my god sister, one of uh, a students that my mom mentored and eventually kind of adopted into her family. Um, She (laughs) was talking to me on the phone as I was blubbering, and I was just like, this sucks. And she was like, why? And I was like, because this is such a big deal. And my mom's not here to celebrate it with me. Mm -hmm. Like, it just, it it hurts so bad, because everyone's so excited about this. But anytime, like, I didn't anticipate this anytime I bring up the book, or someone mentions the book, like, the whole thing is about my mom and her legacy. So obviously, but like, it just all these emotions. And Mm -hmm. um, I was simultaneously so excited and proud of myself. And also just like devastated that she couldn't be there with me to to celebrate this because her proudness was always the most important thing to me in the world so i'm so grateful for all the people that that cheered me on and i know i i just i really miss her um cheering me on too because she wouldn't cheer you on if she didn't think you could do it she was very harsh that way but when she said good
0: job it, it
1: really meant a lot well
0: that's you know that's kind of great because then you don't have to wonder. Oh, she's just saying that because she loves me, or does she actually mean that? That's an important. That's <laughs> no, an important no, lesson that no. you. Right.
1: <laughs> Not at all, Marcia, Because I just have to say a funny story that I shared in the book that I
2: What's used that? to use my mom what about, or mom tell
1: about? people about, was um, about her being harsh. Um, I was the the editor for the Spanish magazine in high school, and I remember coming home one day, and I was like, "Mom, did you read the the. know this month's edition like I I wrote it and she said you know it's fine but like there's a lot of typos (laughs) and I was so proud of it and her just crushed me I was like mom and I I broke into tears and I said mom why can't you just be positive like just kick Uh out the the feedback and just say it's great honey I love that's what I told her honey (laughs) and she said I can do that. You want me to be like all the other moms that are like, I'm good job. You want me to lie? And I was like, yes, I do. And she's like, <laughs> well, then you're never going to grow. <laughs> wow. So, you know, we've had that little fight, but I always think back to that and I, I recognize, yeah, it's easy for someone to lie and say, you're great, good job. But but then it meant that when she was really proud of me, she, she really meant it. And she, she was looking at it from a growth mindset of how can you be better and, and, and learn and just never settled. So I'm grateful for that, for pursuing me.
0: You bet. So were there, did you, I mean, I, how, so how long did it take you to write the book? About a year? Another
1: funny question, because I actually started in June, 2020, um, putting words to paper and I finished my first draft in November. So very quick. Um, yeah. I can't really do math, but like, Less than or yeah, Occidental less than half October, a year. Five but, months. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I also recognize, you know, my goal was to write two hours a night for this much time and blah blah blah. But I just couldn't because it was such an emotional thing to do that when people tell me that <laughs> one of one of my friends told me that he cried like, three times already, and he's, like, only halfway through the book, Um, but I, I, whenever people tell me that it makes them cry, I'm, like, that makes sense, because I cried writing it, Um, but it was, it was my therapy to write this book, and I, rather than do, you know, an hour a day, I dedicated probably, like, five full days of writing from, like, 8 in the morning until 11 p.m. at night, just, like, falling over my computer and just remembering these things, but it, I lost my godmother too to brain cancer in um october oh, twenty nineteen so three months before my mom and being able to write about that loss um was was really tough, but it was also kind of beautiful because I hadn't really had the time to grieve her because my mom died so quickly after so it was it was a lot of park what you're it was talking really, about really needed. No, Margaret. Margaret, I have two godmothers, but my, oh, okay. my oh, okay. one of my godmothers okay. passed away in October 2019, okay. and Margaret, Margaret is still living and healthy. Well, that's I what I thought. You can I never die confused. on you. You're stuck. <laughs> yeah,
0: you're, you're, you don't. You don't get a ticket out of town. Well, said, what you
1: um, live until you're 110.
0: There you go. So um, I understand that better now. So, did you find part of? Was this book challenging to write? I'm assuming it must have had brought some challenges. Incredibly. Yeah. Yeah. It was.
1: I mean, like I'm saying, a lot of a lot of crying. But I think, honestly, one of the hardest parts about it was my mom in the back of my head and me being like, "Crap, is she going to get mad at me for the way I'm portraying her? Like, <laughs> is this the way she she'd want me to talk about her?" Um. Uh. So I was nervous about that. I think. You know, I I had a moment when I was proofreading it at the end and the first time I read through it I was like, Oh, this is really actually good. Good job, Grace. I'm proud of you (laughs) And then the second time I read through it the second time I read through it I was like, Oh my god, people are gonna read this. Like anyone could read this. It's gonna be on Amazon, like, do I really want people knowing this much about my life, about this much of my psyche and emotional process of grief and Um, it's, it's a very vulnerable book. It's very open and, and, you know, truthful. And I was nervous about that, but I thought, you know, I want to tell my authentic story and I don't want to polish up grief and make it anything but the messiness that it is. Um, so I think I did struggle with that. Do I make it marketable or authentic? And I ultimately went with authentic because I was like, even if nobody reads it, I want to be
0: proud and, you
1: know feel, feel right. like I gave a truthful story and I think that's what I produced.
0: So that's, so th- there's no doubt that your mom is so very proud of you and everyone that knows you. How, <laughs> I think how so, so you, she, she might yell I, at
1: me a little well, bit about how I portrayed her, but I'll, I'll live in
0: it. That's okay. <laughs> that, that's, that's okay. That's just her being real. Um, yep. I, I don't think, I I don't think that's bad to be, Um, channeling that, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. because if it's meant to only be critical as opposed to here's how I can help you do this or maybe you can consider that, you know, as opposed to just feeling judge, 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 and then we walk around just judging ourselves forever, you know, there's a balance, Mm -hmm. right? I think balance is uh, probably one of the most key words in life, frankly. Um, So it sounds like people have really responded really well to the book it hasn't been out all that long has it
1: no since april but i've been really grateful for the response and the messages and the people texting me saying i've been crying i read it in like three hours and i've been crying nonstop since because i just felt like it was like seeing her again or just being reminded of her spirit and that that meant so much to me that i could give that 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 feeling to other
0: people sure and those who didn't know her Uh, You know what, and and I was just going to add that, and those that didn't know her, because, you know, frankly, you could be the person listening to this show today with a couple of kids, and you're thinking, wow, you know, I never really stopped to think of how important my messages are to my children. And what what does legacy mean? I'm so busy making your peanut butter and jelly sandwich and telling you to get in front of your Zoom call and do your schoolwork and you know, pick up your room and, you know, go brush your teeth and all these different things that we're we're saying to children at all different ages in life. You know, there are stories there. And as you get older and clearly I'm 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 much older than your mom would have been if she was alive, you know you start thinking about those things i'm i'm relating as someone that could be your grandmother um about you know what does this mean to me there's a message here grace and you know just saying your name grace come on <laughs> that that name alone says something and mm-hmm. I, I don't know there's just something incredibly special about you and the fact that you are so vulnerable to share that um, because we've both talked about our community. I, I, I refer to Westchester as the gem inside the larger community of Los Angeles and I'm just going to throw this out here because it's my show. I don't know <laughs> if you know this or not but this is now just a total plug about me. I was just named Good. the honorary mayor of Westchester. What? I That's know. It's fantastic? When did that I happen? I know. It. it I, I. It really began as of July the first. I would have been in the in the Fourth of July parade, but I was in Michigan with oh family. Oh But. I will be installed officially in September. Thank you. I will be cutting ribbons and waiting like the queen. Um, but, you know, there's been some incredible people over the decades that have also been in this position. So I feel very honored to be the honorary mayor of Westchester. It's not a city. It is a community. Um, and, um, and we both love it. I mean, right? We both love it. So what about Westchester is so important to you?
1: Yeah, I mean, Westchester is the closest thing I've had to home. I spent 18 years of my life there um, and spent the the other years of my life just traveling as much as I could. Um, But I think for me, Westchester, I went to um, Westside Neighborhood School from kindergarten through eighth grade. And I went to Marymount High School, sorry for the helicopter, went to Marymount High School from ninth grade until twelfth grade. Um, and then went to Georgetown. But for me, Westchester has always been beautiful because you get to bump into people. <laughs> and I know that's such a funny thing to say, but no. I, some people like to, to hide from people, you know. Some people don't like to bump into people at the grocery store so they might drive 30 minutes somewhere else. But I love it. I got to plug me my little bomb Um yep. <laughs> Because you always bump into someone. And the yes. past years have been there for so many years and i think it's so so special that all these people that have been in my life for so long or people that i haven't seen in a long time are just around the corner and i can walk to my you know some of my best friends houses that i've known since kindergarten um and i think something beautiful about that while living within the city of los angeles westchester feels like its own little world because um i also participated in uh using government at the ymca And honestly, I think that experience was the one that made me feel most authentically connected to my community because um, all the students there were just so fun and so kind and just great to hang out with. And most of my life, the schools I'd gone to were, yeah, local kids, but also from all over. And youth government was the first time that I really felt like, wow I'm so proud that this is my community and that I get to to you know come here all the time and there's just such kind good people in Westchester and everyone knows each other like I said which is uh, you know I think it's comforting because like I said I'm traveling a lot of the time but I love when I come home just for a weekend or something and I bump into like two people at the market or two people on the street and that just makes my day because it's 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 always genuine and enthusiastic, and so I'm I'm really grateful to call that home.
0: You know, it's it's so funny. There, in my life, there are kind of two types of people: the private and the public. And we <laughs> we both know both. You know, yeah. I'm not on the private side of life. You're not on the private side of life. I will talk mm-hmm. to the wind you know i you you know i'll <laughs> go into the market and i'll see somebody and you know now i have to recognize you with a mask on and you're just in there to buy carrots, and now I'm yapping about who knows what, and it's like, oh God, you can read it, you can tell, and it's like, oh here she comes, I, I got to get, I got to get away, you know. I can tell, but but other times it's like, oh my God, it's so nice to see you. How have you been? How's your family? And mm-hmm. you know, you're just walking your dog, and the next thing you know, you're talking like, oh, you have a doodle. My 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 next door neighbor neighbor has a doodle, and now you're just talking to total strangers and they don't they become yep. less of, of strangers and because your mom has such a deep connection to the community and because you had your connection to the community a lot of people don't even know what youth in government is do you want to just give a snippet of what that means for people that have never heard of youth in government
1: yeah well it's a program based out of the YMCA um, and it's it's essentially mock legislature in court, um, which is a great way for high school students. It's only for high school students. But students in high school get to practice writing legislature, arguing for bills, uh, you know, lobbying. There's a constitutional convention. But it's all about teaching students about how legislature works in the state of California. And I think the coolest part about it was just, you know, young people are just so full of ideas. And um perhaps naivete, I've definitely um, displayed that quality. But I think the cool thing about it is that with creating these bill ideas, which was what I was most involved in, um, you get to just see all these incredibly intelligent people advocate for these crazy awesome ideas. Um, and I was really lucky to serve as the uh, Speaker of the Assembly for the Youth, youth and Government. Um, so I got to actually sit in the, the the speaker of the assembly's chair in Sacramento, which was a big deal my senior year of high school. Um, people at Georgetown didn't think it was a big deal, but we know, um, but it was just a
2: really,
1: (laughs) it was just a really great way to meet passionate young people who are fun and intellectual and smart. And it was just, it was, I think it was all about the community and the friends that I made at the end of the day, but also super educational.
0: You're right. I agree. I know your mom has had a huge influence on your future because mm-hmm. she had, I I mean, I don't even know if you can put that into words. Can you? <laughs> her influence on my life. Oh man.
1: Yeah. And on um, your future I mean, too. Yeah. Um, so much, everything I do is informed by her. She's always in the back of my mind saying things. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, I think, honestly, one of the things that sticks out to me other than I think the most important thing to her and something that I try to live by daily is gratitude, practicing gratitude. Um, yes. Our license plate literally says grateful on it.
2: <laughs> Girl, um, that's
1: so cool. And, yeah, so, you know, when we're driving around. But uh, she practiced gratitude and focused on knowledge, the shitty things, the crappy things, and said, you know, this sucks, but also look at what we do have. And that was a practice that stayed with me because obviously pandemic given um, was really, really hard. But her mindset and her view of life was acknowledge the bad and then also give thanks for what you do have. Um, so that's really helped me in progressing in all these transitions from college to pandemic to work and everything like that. Um, but something else that sticks out to me is she took me traveling with her since I was four years old. Um, thanks to her, I've been to 50 countries and it's because she was a single mom who worked at the center for service and action and couldn't leave her kid at home for two weeks to go on a service trip with students. So she would just bring me with her. Um, my first trip was El Salvador, then Guatemala when I was five and et cetera, et cetera. But it was always going to these different countries, learning about social justice issues. Um, even went to Rwanda when I was 13 in eighth grade to learn about the genocide. And because she exposed me to that, I have this, um, this kind of like internal motivation. That's like, you've, you've had the privilege to travel and to learn so much that you have this duty to share that, that, that experience that you've had with other people, um, not in like a bossy way like this is the way I like you know this is how you should see things but say hey based on what I've seen this is what I've encountered and sharing that perspective with people Um and so she's really taught me how to go out and chase adventure and to travel and to meet new people and and not be afraid of new things but to, to really connections not only with strangers in Westchester but also strangers in countries where you don't speak the language and I think that 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 sense of adventure and, and risk-taking and, and, and just going out of your comfort zone has stayed with me. Um, she even pushed me to, to learn languages wherever I go, and because of that, um, I even took a Bosnian class when I was living in Bosnia because she was like, go learn the language. You can connect with locals. Don't be that stupid American that's not you know, trying. So she, wow. she was critical, but I think all of her advice and, and you can do better really set me up to succeed and to you know, as, as I mentioned, I'm so grateful to be teaching at an international school in Chile. It's, it's a dream come true, and I don't think I would have made it here had she not pushed me to, to continue exploring and, and learning about new cultures and immersing myself with other new, different people.
0: I love this. So let, you, that's a perfect segue into when are you, are you physically going to go and live in Chile?
1: That's the goal. This okay. stuff is kind of annoying right now, but hopefully I'll be there soon. And what at, we... um, de las
0: Aguilas. Okay. If you can't physically go there, would you be able to somehow teach via Zoom or something like that, uh, or is that I all be determined? <laughs> oh.
1: I have been in orientation for the past three weeks from very early in the morning until midday, uh-huh. Um but yeah, I'm going to start teaching virtually on Wednesday. So, two days, um, I'll be teaching US history and global politics to 10th graders via Zoom. And I'm really excited.
0: Wow. This Wednesday. You're this going to be Wednesday. teaching. And who are, and who what is the grade level that you're teaching? 10th grade. Okay. And it's in Chile and you're teaching yep. history, did you say?
1: U.S. history, yeah.
0: U.S. history from a U.S. And, and it's really
1: cool because I'll be teaching um, American students, Chilean students, uh, students from all over the world, which I think is a really cool way to continue my my passion is cultural diplomacy and, and learning about ways to connect with other countries and, you know, form good relationships with different Gosh. people and countries. And I think education is the best way to do that. So I, I consider this job as a way to tell the story of, of the U.S., the positive and the negative, and
2: mm-hmm. talk about
1: our values and things like that. So I'm just really grateful for the opportunity to continue learning and, and pursue wow. my, my goals of education.
0: Okay. So the, the, the first thought that comes to my mind, other than this is so cool because being on Zoom means <laughs> that students can live anywhere, but I got to ask you, are you doing this whole thing in English?
1: I am doing this whole thing in English, but okay. um, I do speak Spanish fluently, so I'm 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 excited to work with the local staff as well.
0: Wow, wow! So, will will it be a daily tenth grade um, U.S. history class you'll be doing regularly? Wow, for for one year, maybe two. We'll see. Wow! How how interesting to start here with the hopes that you will finish there. What part, I've been to Chile as well. Oh, oh what, cool. and, and you want to know what's so interesting? I've also had a great right. opportunity to do a lot of international travel because of my connection with my very good friend that worked in LMU in the ex, Executive Amazing. MBA program. And part of what we, part of what they did was international travel. So I've also been in Chile. So where in Chile, What 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 city?
1: It's 30 minutes out of Santiago, the capital. Okay. All right. Is that where you went? Or did you
2: go?
0: Well, that? that's where we were headed when the earthquake hit. We oh, were no. had gassed up in Lima. And we were on our way to Santiago. And all of a sudden, the airplane's turning back to Lima. Why? No. Because there was a massive earthquake. I believe it was in and. 10, I think it was my very first trip, and the airport Amazing. came down, and I, it was it was a nightmare. There were tidal waves. It was we ended up stopping there briefly, and then we headed on um, from there. But um, you know, wow. there's I agree with you. Traveling is it's so wonderful because it allows you to experience people. I mean, I'm yep. a people person. So if you said what was the best thing about South Africa, sure, I love the safari. I love photography. <laughs> I loved all of that. There is no doubt about that. But if I could only choose one thing, I would say the people. The, right. Because we are yep. humans, and we, we can connect and find out what's relatable, whether we speak the same language or not. These masks have certainly obstructed a smile but prior to the pandemic mm. when you can light up your face with a smile with a child with an adult whomever that is mm-hmm. a human connection that you just cannot put a price on in my opinion and Absolutely. i and I'm sure that you with all the traveling that you've done i am sure that you would agree with that there's just nothing like it and you know, but the show isn't the show isn't about me and i'm just i'm looking at the at your table of contents for your book <laughs> and I, I love this i mean the the, the chapters are fabulous i mean Thank you. i like this be an independent ass woman i i like that and <laughs> but i also- i do i love it but I I like I like all of it they're all important don't take life too seriously take come on now Mm -hmm. I got to read these chapters choose your (laughs) community ask and you shall receive be an independent ass woman travel whenever possible recognize the power of community learn from strangers I have goosebumps love those who need the most love oh my god don't make me cry Don't take life too seriously after. All right. Take a deep breath. Celebrate everything. Prioritize yourself. Love unconditionally. Mama knows best. Oh, my God, Grace. I mean, not only could this be a book, I could see this being a short documentary. I could see this being visual. I could see this being on, on a screen somewhere. This is just this is just sensational. I I don't have to say that, but I hope you but, but feel, you feel. Know, but you know what, Marcia? What's that? It's, it's
1: not, yes, it's about me, but I think, I mean, even just reading, having you read that and get emotional, like something that's beautiful about it to me is that I, I spoke at a book club once and, And it was all women that did not know my mom or me. And Mm -hmm. I, I, these legacies, these, these lessons, do you, that resonates with you the most or which one do you want your kids to remember you for? And I think the cool part about it is that, yeah, it's, it's, it's advice, you know, do these things. That's what my mom told me to do, but it's also a great chance for people to be like, wow, this is what I value. This is not what I value. This is what's important to me. And so I think a beautiful thing about it, and even just hearing it in your voice, is that it, it resonates with everyone in some way.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So I think it's true. So what does it mean to be a rector girl? Maybe I'm a rector girl and didn't know it. What, is, what does it mean <laughs> to be a rector girl? I want to be in the family.
2: Oh, gosh. <laughs> That's
0: that just beautiful. Question? Yeah, That's I guess I want to, to know. What, is it, what does it mean to be a rector girl?
1: Um, I'm going to start with the superficial. Um, You need to know how to make really good brownies. That is an essential. That's a big part of our family. (laughs) Um, I think it's all about gathering. Like, you know, my mom's funeral was the last major gathering that all of those people were able to go to before the world shut down. And while I would not ask for my mom to ever be taken away, I think it was secretly a blessing to be able to gather with all the people we love before we were taken away from them. And then we had the book launch this this summer and a hundred people came to my house that, that pre-ordered the book to to celebrate. Mm. And there was just so much joy and tears and laughter. And I think that being a Rector girl is all about bringing people together to to find new friends and to cherish old ones and to just continue looking for new family members (laughs) wherever you go.
0: Right. Well, I'm gonna tell t- I don't know you know, it, it sounds like you'll be going to Chile. You know that I live blocks from you and you can <laughs> certainly add me to the list of people part of your family because Thank I dear. think I I just I am so impressed by you and I and I look at you and I think, Okay, <sighs> so where where do you see yourself five years from now?
1: What a great question, and a question that freaked me out in college, freaked oh. me out a little bit now. Oh, um, gosh. No, but but really it's about, I think I was really career-oriented, and, yes, I'm really excited and grateful for the job I have now, but I, I, a mentor of mine, Andrea Whistler, she's she's my Georgetown mom. Um, like I said, creating family everywhere. <laughs> um, of course. She she had me write down a list of necessities. So regardless of what my job is, she's like, what do you need? And so my need list was need to be close to the airport, <laughs>
2: need okay. to be
1: close to good friends, and need to feel like I'm making a difference or feel fulfilled. And that was my three needs. Like other than that, you can put me anywhere in the world. And I think by identifying those needs, I feel kind of liberated in that if I have those things, I'll be okay. And job is not part of that. Or, you know, location is not part of that. So I don't feel as stressed to be in the right place as long as I have those things. Um, But I think recently I've learned that while I am adventurous and looking out for, for new challenges and things, I also recognize that I need to have people I love near me. comfort me and to comfort right back because I think taking care of others and having people take care of me is essential for my livelihood. And so taking the job to Chile, I actually studied abroad there. So I already have friends there. Um, And so that was a big part of my decision to go there because I was like, it's going to be a big challenge, but at least I know that I already have people there that care about me. So I guess in in conclusion about where I see myself in five years, which would make me 27. um, Mm -hmm. I just hope that I'm living in a place where I have friends nearby that love me and that I love and, and I feel that that I that I'm fulfilled or making a difference. I love whatever I'm doing, whether it be work or family or whatever, but um and close to the airport so I can travel whenever but ultimately it's about the people for me and I think you relate with that, but that that's yes. that's what's important to me wherever I am in five years.
0: So I'm curious. So you when when we started at the beginning of the show and you were kind of journaling and you were writing the love letters to your mom because that mm-hmm. was a habit that you had for a while as you as you kind of went through this writing process. I'm just curious, are you still journaling now?
1: What do you think?
0: I <laughs> am. Well, of course you are. So do you journal every day?
1: Unfortunately, I do not. I wish I was that. Don't say unfortunate. But, um...
0: That's a judgment. Don't say that.
1: <laughs> true, true. But actually, yes. it's funny because I I started picking it up again recently because I haven't done it consistently. But I, I found myself grasping for it when I was just racked with tears, like just sobbing or like mm-hmm. at her one year anniversary of death, February 2021. Also, she died on um, Valentine's Day. Um, which in my heart, I believe is like, she just gave so much love throughout her life that,
2: mm-hmm. that
1: on the day of love, her heart just gave out cause it, it, it loved and taken care of so many people, which is sad and also a beautiful way to remember her. Um,
2: sure.
1: and so a, a year later on Valentine's day, I called her phone, oh. left a voicemail, um, and just wow. wrote her a letter in my book my journal about just how much I missed her and the ways that I saw her in my daily life or the decisions I'd been making. Um, and I honestly didn't write in it for a bit just because it was too hard or it uh-huh. just made me even more emotional. But um, uh-huh. a couple of weeks ago I was feeling really happy, like just oh. being able to see people, uh-huh. being able to hug people, being able to, invite people over to celebrate things or just eat together just makes me feel so happy and loved and just content. And so rather than reaching for that book when I was sobbing, I was just so happy that I wanted to tell her everything that was happening in my life and all the people I was grateful for. Um, And so I did. I wrote, I started writing for about 20 minutes every morning for like a week. Um, And then on one of those days, I actually looked back at the beginning of the journal to the the days right after her death, and just the, the despair and the sadness I was feeling, and sure. I, that's not to say that I'm recovered or that I won't have those dark, sad days again. But I think it was really beautiful to see, you know, my progress or the the, the ways that I've changed in my grief and the people that have become important or all that. So I'm I'm really grateful that I have that. Not, I didn't put direct, you know, quotes from that into the book at the end, but. Um, I definitely think that that's been a, a safe healing space for me to be able to process my loss
2: and to I, I would the am- news
0: and sad news. Sure. Sure. And I would imagine—I'm guessing, but I, I, I think I'm probably right. I think that it, you would probably recommend to those that are listening to this show that they, they consider their own style, whatever that might be, of right. just writing. You know, it, it could be about a lot of different things. Um, But when you are alone, I'm alone. When you're alone, you know, there are just times in your life where you just need that hug or those arms. And with this Mm -hmm. pandemic, that's made that very difficult. And um, fortunately for me, my daughter lives 15 minutes away with her husband, which I'm grateful for. Mm -hmm. My son and his wife live in Tucson. So, you know, we haven't seen each other since... The, we were in Las Vegas to see a basketball, a Pac-12 tournament when the pandemic was officially announced the day after we got home. So I haven't wow. seen him since that time, since that March of um, 2019. Yeah. And... Um, you know, it, it hasn't been easy on all of us, but thankfully, because of technology, you just explained yourself.
2: Mm-hmm. You're going to
0: be able to teach your 10th grade U.S. history class mm-hmm. to students that you're going to be. It's, it's, you know, it's kind of like the Brady Bunch. You know, everybody's in little squares, and there, <laughs> you know, and there you go. And I, I just think that's terrific because you have a gift, and I think that your gift of Thank sharing you. is just tremendous. And my guess is that's just that's just your that's just who you are um it it's Thank not a struggle so for you it's not a struggle for you to be you because you are real and um you know we will definitely need to see one another um because you are once you're back here on the, on you know in LA we'll have to get together and just and share some that. more stories i would love that as well and i just want to thank you so much for spending this time with me and 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 filling me with hope and 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 just sharing your life story it's 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 been a it's been a gem and I, i've appreciated it grace it's just been fabulous
2: Thank
1: you so much for asking me to join. It's really great to connect with you again, and I'm always grateful for an opportunity to to thank my community of Westchester for for all it's taken me to be. Great.
0: All right, everybody. Well, I'm going to conclude this show now with grace. Um, Trust me, I'll be back again next week because I do this every week. I seem to be having a lot of authors of late, so we'll just keep that moving and until next time be well everybody be safe and you know there's a song that's called love the one you're with i would suggest that you do the same bye for now everybody